I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Hey, what's up, Pelicans fans? Welcome to The Bird Rights. My name is Preston Ellis, and I am the host for the new home to all things Pelicans on nothing but net network here on Dash Radio. Welcome to the new one-stop shop for everything you boogie and brow fanatics need. Now, if you like what you're hearing, follow us on Twitter at The Bird Rights. Read our source material at TheBirdRights.com. And most importantly, throw yourself over to iTunes and download every available podcast by searching The Bird Rights colon NBA podcast. This call is being recorded. Welcome, Pelicans fans. Uh, it is I, Travis Tate, and my good buddy Trevor Ritchie uh, joining you for another The Bird. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Calls podcast, we're here to recap the 128-120 to 120 loss that the Pelicans suffered tonight at home against the Golden State Warriors. Uh, you know the deal with the Warriors. They have all those great players and all-stars and NBA Finals MVPs. Um, Trevor, what's your what's the big picture takeaway? We couldn't have expected a, a win out of tonight's game, but uh, is there stuff that you saw tonight that gets you excited for future games? We are only in game number two, and we play the Lakers in game number three on Sunday. Well, first of all, it's good to be calling in from the beautiful New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, happy to be able to be at the game and provide some live coverage. Um, big picture-wise, if we're going to go there to start off the podcast, it's a little early for that, Travis, but we'll roll with it. Um, uh, Golden State failed to cover. They were 8.5-point favorites tonight. Hey, so surprisingly, hey that's surprisingly boy. that happened. Hey, there's a big picture right there. Yeah. Um, I have to eat my words in the in the last podcast. Uh, you know, I thought it was going to be a massive blowout, and came out in the first half. And I'm not sure. I mean, we had a three point lead going into halftime. We were up, I think, like 13 at the end of the first quarter. So uh, I'm going to have to eat those words. Yeah, we were up uh, 21 to six, I believe. Uh, I think that was our biggest lead. Uh, that was in the first half. There, we just had guys who came in and made a bunch of shots there for a while. Um, including uh, this guy that his name keeps popping up uh, for, for better or for worse, but Jordan Crawford came in and made a couple of big shots. Ian Clark came in, immediately made some shots. I think the Pelicans made eight out of their first 14 three-pointers. Um, most did you, of the did way... You see the, 
Go Did ahead. you see the stat on uh, on uh, Crawford and Clark? Crawford and Clark in the first half had combined 19 points, were 7 of 7 from the field, and 5 of 5 from the three-point range. Yeah, incredible. I mean, those guys are shot makers, and that's what they do. Uh, that's why they're going to get playing time when when guys like, say, Etwan Moore, uh, who was held scoreless tonight in 24 minutes, when he doesn't give you that punch, um, you kind of look towards both of those guys, Ian Clark and Jordan Crawford. I mean, they're shoot first guys. They're shooting threes specifically. Um, I really like Ian Clark now that I've gotten to see him a little bit more as a guy who knows where to move around on the floor on offense when he doesn't have the ball in terms of his ability to cut. So I kind of, I sort of like his chances as a contributor to this team. Now, Trevor, I know you've been on the Ian Clark train for a long time. Uh, Tonight he had 11 points. He made four out of six shots. He made all three of his threes. Um, Tell me about your love for Ian Clark. I do like Ian Clark. The only thing that I don't like, I I mean, I'm a big fan of Jordan Crawford too. Uh, The one thing that I was talking to you off the air about is that when they are providing you that big offensive spark and they come in the game and and they're not missing a shot, yeah, but but when that starts to fall off in the second half, you're kind of stuck with a defensive liability. Um, I, I understand that this is Clark's former team in the Golden State Warriors, so maybe he knows a little bit more defensively that will give him a little bit of advantage, not so much for Jordan Crawford. But, uh, you know, I can't hate on 14 points and I can't hate on um, them not missing a shot in the entire first half. So uh, I'm very pleased with how the bench bounced back tonight after an abysmal performance against the Memphis Grizzlies. So uh, it's definitely, I don't believe, a sustainable performance. But uh, we'll take what we can get and roll off this momentum. Yeah, because we don't need to talk about Ian Clark. We need to talk about Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins. Those were the uh, obviously the pillars of of uh, the offense tonight. Uh, we don't know. This is sort of a strange thing to say on a podcast where you've got the internet available right here at our fingertips, but we're not really sure exactly how many points those guys had. We think maybe AD might have had 35 or maybe he had 32. We think Cousins had 35, maybe. Uh, the ESPN stories tell us one thing, but either way, it, those guys were great tonight. Um, I thought AD specifically was just moving around all over the floor where he needed to be, catching catching when you need to make the right catch and finish, and other times being able to create. It's interesting to watch him and Cousins play when they grab a defensive rebound and not look for an outlet pass. They just immediately start dribbling the ball up the floor, and that kind of runs into some early offense sometimes. I mean, there there were a few times that, that DeMarcus got the rebound and, and told everyone to run. Yeah. You know, some of those rotations come in, and he's like, no, go. Like, yeah. get up the floor. The one thing that I didn't – I'm going to bounce off your uh, positivity and, and just look at look at the, the bad side of it is I thought late in the game when it came to – to DeMarcus in that point guard role, uh, trying to get deep into the post to AD. I think Golden State started to catch on to that, and and they started to double in the post on AD before DeMarcus even looked for the pass. And then at that point, the rest of the offense kind of stalled because the cuts just, you know, weren't there at that point. And I think that kind of stalled what little chance we had at a comeback late. 
Yeah, I think the Pelicans were best tonight when they were playing um, in what I, the term that uh, that Kerr and other guys have used is like playing in random, uh, where you sort of just are able to, when you get stops, you're able to just fill your lanes and, and sort of just generate simple offense just by running. Um, and then when things slowed down, it didn't go quite as well for the Pelicans tonight. Um, tonight was a big night of... A lot of, uh, I don't know, what I'd call highlight plays or dramatic plays. We had Draymond uh, had a technical foul pretty early, and I thought he probably could have deserved a second, um, which I've seen him do many times. In that times. same sequence? Yeah, yeah, in the same sequence. I agree. He, he I just continues agree. to yell at refs after he's already given one, and he's able to get away with it. Um, and I'm not sure how that works. He, must, you know, he, I think he does a really good job of just – sticking to the facts and I don't know if he like he never says the bad words that you're not supposed to say I think and that's maybe how he gets away with it I don't know but um can I just say that I don't feel as if uh we turned the tables and that was DeMarcus that uh the same respect from the officials would be given no that's just my opinion I agree um and that's just following the, that the, the life of, that's just the life of DeMarcus Cousins at this point yeah, following that tech, uh, you know, Gentry was up next. He got teched. Um, yeah. In that in that little exchange, uh, Demarcus was on the bench at one point and uh, gave. I saw him give uh, Draymond some words. I can't repeat on our uh, yeah. family yeah. friendly podcast, but uh, you can check I your local uh, NBA Twitter to find out what he said. Those altercations were fun. I mean, after the game, yeah. he said, "You know, Draymond's like a brother," so I, so I loved it. And uh, it got a little chippy right there. And, and, you know, that's what we like to see in today's NBA, get back to that. To that yeah, I love that. And that feel. And Durant um, had uh, a really spectacular block on a Drew dunk attempt. Uh, Drew, we think, again, because we're not totally positive in the stat accuracy tonight, we think that he had a rough night shooting and may have scored maybe 11 points on 14 shots. Um Durant had seven blocks, though, so, I mean, he was just kind of doing his thing, uh, which is now, I guess, dominating on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, we had uh, Clay Thompson secured a block, uh, kind of third or fourth quarter. Uh, I think it was probably fourth quarter that led to a, a fast-break dunk for him that kind of solidified uh, the way the game was going to go tonight. So a lot of big plays. Um, AD took multiple charges on Durant, which I thought was interesting. It looks like he's just so mobile out there in terms of, I don't know, it's almost like he's gained quickness. Is that something you're seeing out of out of AD so far in the first two games? I definitely see this. Uh, see that. I, th- I think it was something he came out with tonight. I think he was ready for this game. Um, I think he knew he had to be. I mean, when he hit, was it the, yeah, it was, he hit a buzzer beater three at the end of the first quarter. I mean, yeah, it, I mean, it was hot. It was, he was heavy. He was into it. He was in the zone. I, I think DeMarcus and Anthony Davis were all night tonight. That was awesome to see. You mentioned uh, Kevin Durant's blocks. blocks. I mean, there was one point in the game, he lost his shoe and still got two blocks. It was <laughs> yeah. like the same sequence with one shoe on it. It was, yeah. it was ridiculous. I mean, uh, I don't, I don't know how that happens. He just – the shoe came off. I think he slung it to the Pelicans bench and then just flung his arms around, really. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, he's he's an incredible. That's a that's a good call. He's an incredible player. Uh, how many can, how many assists? Can, how many assists do you have Drew with? I have three. Oh boy. Well, if you've got three and I've got let's see, uh, three, then that's a, that comes we'll out go. to an average of three. So we're going to go where, with it. <laughs> yeah. Where I was going with that is I have 13 points. I have no idea what's up with NBA, ESPN, or Google Stats tonight following this game. But uh, if we go with your 11 points, either way, if we look at my 15 and 5 theory that I'm going to roll with, it probably won't pertain. Let's go with against playoff teams. I don't think this theory will, will pertain to teams like the Lakers that we play next. But my theory yeah, is sure. that we're going to have to expect 15 and 5 from either Drew Holiday or Etwan Moore to win a ball game. So if we look at we're down eight, we lose by we lose by eight. Drew Holiday has 11 points and three assists. If we get those four points, we're down four. We get those two assists. That's at least four points tie ball game. I think you're right. Um, I think generally, I'll, I'll expand your idea here even more. Is that basically the non the non-boogie, non-brow starters might have a problem scoring. Dante Cunningham, um, you know, you would often see uh, him standing behind the three-point line and his defender down in the paint, much more worried about either AD or Cousins. And, you know, if Cunningham does get a clean catch, come down and have time to shoot a three, then the Warriors are just going to live with that. Um and that's going to be the way that goes. And we are going to find ourselves losing more games to the Warriors. They've beaten us, I believe, 18 out of 19 times. Um, you know, I'm not sure if that includes playoffs. I got that from the uh, the Warriors game notes. Uh, game notes, I guess I'd call them. Uh, and so that is a team that we just can't beat. But I mean, nobody could beat them. Uh, what are we supposed to do? <laughs> you know? Like I mean, be, every everything has to fall your way. I, I mean, yeah. like like when Houston won on their home opener, and everything Draymond had to that not play incredible. the quarter. Yeah, you know, like it, everything has to fall yeah. your way. Yeah, and there was just incredible shot making at the end of that game. I mean, we we weren't in a position like that tonight, except for when we played beyond you know out of our heads in the first quarter. Um, Anything else you want to say about this game? And then I'll get to our last uh, big picture question for the big picture boys. I thought that, uh, you know, a lot of those shots in the first half that were just falling in, a few of them were were heavily contested and and we just kind of got the luck of the draw. And I think that's part of the issue with the offense that we're seeing now. We're not able to get those guards as open at times as we would like to because we're running that system with Boogie and AD, guard post roles. And opposing defenses, especially when you have a roster as strong as Golden State, they're just going to pull their wing defender, a.k.a. Kevin Durant or whoever they have, off of, say, Dante and and dare him to shoot. That still leaves our guards with a man on them. So we've got to find a way to roll around and and release some pressure when, when we're running those sets to allow some of those guys to get better chances. Now, I'm not trying to make an excuse for Drew Holiday. I think uh, I don't think I know that we're at a lot better place than we were Wednesday night against Memphis as far regarding his performance, but uh, we still need more to make that money worthwhile. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to even think about the money that he's receiving when you look at the numbers that he's provided basically since the Cousins trade happened. Is there, at what point do we need to really get worried about the lack of production from Drew when he's been with Cousins? Is this something that we need to look at and start worrying about today? Or is this something that we I mean, need to look at and start worrying about in three weeks? You know, actually, I'm going to go with, um, since it's 12.08 a.m. as we record this right now, I'm going to go with let's start worrying about it tomorrow if we don't get a performance out of them. And uh, that's going to be against the Lakers. Um, you know, if, we, if, if, he can't, if he can't show up and get us the stat line that we need. And that's get Lonzo Ball. That we need. Yes, let's uh, let's let's start worrying after that point. I didn't want to I didn't want to do that this early in the season. But if we're just going to run a what if if we don't get that performance tomorrow at this point, like I said, it is now. Um, where that you know sound the alarm. We're going to have to start. Uh, Lon- I mean, Lonzo we can't Ball, do anything except Lonzo for Ball has reconsider. far outperformed uh, Drew thus far this season. He had 29 and 11 and nine tonight, nearly a triple double oh, God. in his second ever I, NBA game. But go ahead and tell our audience who they were playing. The Suns. Okay. However, we'll the, okay. Back. Young veteran, uh, young, <laughs> young veteran, Eric Bledsoe is starting point guard for, for Phoenix. And, you know, he's got a, a nice defensive reputation there. So I, I don't know. Maybe he didn't guard him most of the night or something, but he did do that against uh, against probably their best player. Just just something I just thought about. Where uh, what is up with Tony Allen? He played he played about seven minutes tonight, all in the first half. Is that correct? I don't think he played it all in the second half, did he? I you know I was so caught up in the game flow and and Demarcus and Anthony taking over that I don't even remember him in the game. To be honest yeah. with you. He was out there for um, it's, it's a little bit. It's kind of something where I feel <laughs> yeah. like we should we should have valued his defensive presence a little bit more tonight. I really don't know what they're seeing in practice that uh, doesn't lead them to think that. I'm gonna hope that they know more about basketball than I do, um, <laughs> and they do. Trevor, I can assure but, you that uh, they do. Yeah, they do. I'm just I, I'm hoping. <laughs> uh, sometimes it doesn't seem like it. Yeah. But um, you know, I mean, I would love to see some Tony Allen Lonzo Ball action. That's just where I was going Ooh. with it. Even if it is for seven minutes, I would love to see it. I think he oh. would love to give it. To be honest oh. with you, yeah. Oh my gosh, just uh, it'd be a repeat of the uh, of the Patrick Beverly experience from. from I was last about to say, can Lonzo Ball first. take? Can he take two first team All Defense in his face, like them telling him first team All Defense? I don't know if he can take it. Man, well, apparently he can take it, and then he can dish it out to to teams Fair like uh, the Phoenix Suns for twenty nine. Um, but uh, but yeah, I agree with you. I think we've got to see more from Drew. Um, you know, it, it, it's one of those things. I I remember when the Heat got together and they had their big three, and as soon as the three gathered, then the story became, well, who's going to be their fourth? And then, you know, now you look at a team like, say, Golden State, and they've got four, and you kind of look at them. I mean, you don't look at them with, like, a, uh, a an askance eye, but you might say, well, who is their fifth best player? Like, I don't know. Is it Zaza or is it – I guess it's got to be Iggy. Um, but Iggy wasn't even in, in in crunch time tonight, not that they needed him. But, um, 
you know, we got to have that. The New Orleans Pelicans have got to have a third guy um, because they are proving right now how you can bang your head into a wall time and time again with AD, you know, just going off, just going supernova basically. Um, and Cousins having a huge night, and you still, you know, we're not nearly as good as Golden State, but I mean, I'm going to imagine that there's going to be a few nights like this when they lose to a team uh, like, say, Minnesota, you know, or or Memphis the other night, um, and that's going to be a problem. So is, are they, how, hmm, I'll phrase it this way, how important now is that Drew Holiday injury excuse me, the Rondo injury because of how it's affected Drew? Um, I, I think it's kind of um, – I think it's almost a good thing if you're taking it for what it's worth and, and rolling with what you have to because if we get him in a setting where he's, you know, starting point guard, he's more of the primary ball handler until those rotations start to come in. And we get him to a point within the next four to six weeks where he gets – the aggressive mindset that we want to see him with, then it'll it'll just be a weight lifted off his shoulder when Rondo comes back. So it, it, it might almost help. Where I was going to go with what you were saying is, am I crazy to think, hypothetically, because we'll probably never see it, let's say this was a one-seed, eight-seed matchup in the playoffs, and we had a healthy Solomon Hill and Rondo. Am I crazy to think that this roster would be capable of enough enough to take one or two games off of the Golden State Warriors should we have a wing defender and Solomon Hill and Rondo's leadership on the court. Yeah, I think you're crazy, um, but only mildly because we're, we're only talking about one game. Um, and in the playoffs, you never know, AD and Cousins, maybe they'd be able to do it one game and maybe um, Draymond gets two technicals somehow and gets kicked out of a game, but I, I see what you're saying. Um, Solomon Hill is at least a better option than anybody else we've got at that position, I think. Um, And I don't say that out of any great love for him, but just because nobody else really fits there. Cunningham seems like he's more of a small ball four to me. Um, But speaking of that. Just a really quick thing. We we, we did send out a lineup tonight that that I was going to mention to you, and you were talking about lineups earlier before we started recording. Of and this is late in the game, um, Jordan Crawford, Drew, Ian Clark, and then the big two, meaning that I guess Drew would have been the three there. I wish I, I, I wasn't looking at, uh, at who Golden State had out there, but I know they didn't have Iggy. I think they still probably had Zaza in. Um, is there anything you can make out of those small lineups that we've got that, you know, is that going to win in a situation against Golden State? It's not going to win if Andre or Kevin Durant is on the floor when we run that, or possibly even, well, I guess, Draymond would fall into it if we've got AD and Boogie in, into that category. So, uh, you know, I don't love it. If if I mean, if we have to run it for, you know, five or so minutes, I'm fine with it. Uh, if we're, we keep hitting back to Drew, and I think, I mean, he's flying under the radar when it comes to the box score and on the court, but are we being too light on Darius Miller at this point? Mm. Well, he's, uh, you know, first of all, he doesn't come with a $125 million number 
fair. attached to him. That's fair. But even even if he didn't, just the sheer lack of experience in the NBA. I mean, he's he is not a bona fide NBA player right now. We are testing him out. He came over from Germany. You know, I've talked on this podcast before, and many other people have about kind of what their expectations for him were. Like, oh yeah, it looks like he might start if Dante doesn't resign. Um, and that was us being hopeful. Um, I think what we're looking at is much closer to, well, what we're looking at is reality. And that is that, you know, he's just kind of a marginal NBA player. Uh, he played 19 minutes. Um, you know, it, it would be nice and it would be spectacular for the, for the organization if he could develop into something bigger and better than that. But I mean, as of right now, he's unproven. But do you, and is, is that you saying that that's why you believe as a, whether it be Twitter or just media or fans in general, that is why we're, you know, not directing a little more criticism his way? Uh, yeah, I'd say so. Cause he's not, okay. the, the main thing is that he doesn't come with the money and two, he's basically unproven. So he doesn't, we don't really have any reason to have negative thoughts about him. Definitely. I was just saying that based off of expectation, you know, when you came into yeah. the season where even, even re-signing Cunningham, there was still talk that he might be the starter. And then we get as little as possible that we could get out of him. So uh-huh. I just didn't know if, if, you know, the knowledgeable fan that your answer is the obvious response, but I just didn't know if a, if a disappointment when it came to the expectations would, uh, would lead to any of that uh, skepticism or criticism. Yeah. Um, what about Dante Cunningham? Um, did you really see anything out of it? I mean, he is another guy that kind of just, for me, he kind of just floats in and off the screen. Um, I didn't really see a whole lot of what it is that he can give us at his best other than, you know, making knockdown jump shots. What, what did you see? And, and I mean, that's why we asked this question, because we, we don't know, we don't even know what he can give us. Therefore, we we really don't know what to expect. So on a night yeah. like this, we just, we just kind of, you know, take, we take what he gives us and, and we, and we go with it and we don't really say anything. Oh, that was an awful performance or we need more from him. Cause I don't even think, I don't even know if the coaching staff after having him and him being one of the most consistent players that the Pelicans have had over the last three years as far as being healthy and actually playing in games. I think he's played the most games of anybody on the Pelicans roster over the last three years, and we still don't know what to expect from him on a night-to-night basis. Yeah. Well, what did you see out of of Golden State? How do you you like their chances? Did you see him play Houston the other night? I did, I did. I think, I mean, I, I think they're, they I mean, they're still great, look like obviously. the defending championship. <laughs> they look like they're they're on the route to win another championship. I think uh, that that Caspi injury. I don't even. I'm sad that I'm even bringing him up in this podcast. Um, oh, he is a. Gonna, uh, he's gonna, he's yeah. a. He's quite the source of uh, consternation amongst uh, the the bird rights writers. True. This is true. Um, you know, he's out. I think the addition of, of, of Nick Young was great. I think he's going to fit their – I don't want to say culture because his attitude really doesn't, but I think if they can hone him in – I mean, what he had like 23 points against Houston. Yeah. 
I mean, if, if they can get guys like that that are just knockdown shooters to, to work in that offense, I think they got stronger, and they've done nothing except for get stronger over the last three seasons. So uh, I'm not sure. I mean, obviously there's there's other capable rosters in the league of, of maybe um, beating them down once, you know, whoever, whoever gets to the Western Conference final and, finals and, and faces them, which I'm, it is essentially inevitable, and we're just going to go with it, that the Warriors will be in the Western Conference finals. Not that that's a hot take or anything. It's just crazy yeah. that we can just go ahead and put them there. I think yeah. whoever makes it there, whether it be probably San Antonio, Houston, or OKC, once Golden State has to run through some of these, I mean, the seven and eight seed, you know, Golden State will be the one seed. Whoever's the eight seed is still going to be a really strong team, whether it be, you know, the Trailblazers or the Pelicans or someone. So the Warriors are going to, might get, you know, a little beat up when it comes to some of these top tier Western teams that might, might be in the Western Conference Finals, you know, come up and they have to face them. You might see a little slack. You might see a little wear and tear. I think uh, Steve Kerr does a, a good job of managing his players. So I, I'm seeing what, what you would expect out of the Warriors in the first two games of the season. Yeah, I, I totally see um, just a little bit of chinks in the armor for them. They don't look quite as dynamic uh, this year as compared to other years, but also it's the first two games and they they know that they're in this for the long haul and they will be playing their best you know, probably in March, April, May, June. Um, and I would imagine we'll win the title again. But as of right now, I'm not like, you know, totally blown away. Um, but, you know, the talent is very, very obvious. All right. So one last um, big picture boys question. We're going to address a, a question that is uh, league wide, I guess. Um, and that is, and it's kind of a strangely phrased question. I didn't know how to write this. Trevor, have you noticed that during um, the first few games of the NBA season, we're seeing more game flow because there are fewer timeouts for coaches and players to take? Uh, there's longer, more uninterrupted play. Um, have you noticed that? And have you um, do you like it? So that was a rule that the NBA instituted this summer. And have you noticed it at all? From a from a viewer perspective, it does feel as if the game flows a little bit better with that implementation. Um, I feel like the coaches and and players, you know, use the timeouts more sparingly because they have to at at momentum shifts. So it kind of it's kind of at more critical points where where you're having to make adjustments and it's not really a breather. You're you're having to put together, you know, a true sets and you're, and you're asking a little bit more out of your coaches and your players with, with that. It's uh it's fun for the fans during that period. And like I said, it's good for the viewer. The game continues to flow. And I, I feel like I have noticed that. And I feel like it was the right decision by the NBA. Yeah, I, t- I totally love it. I'm on board. Um, I think I noticed it. I don't know if I noticed it more in tonight's game, but maybe in some of the other games I've seen so far this year, including that that season opening uh, Golden State um, Houston game. I think I first noticed it there, and I I remember that well, rule we had, was implemented this we summer. Had, we had those technical fouls, and we had a, a, a few charges and some blocks and a ton of out of bounds plays. So I feel like some of that contributed to not being able to see that as much with how some of those plays the game down 
Yeah, and tonight there was like a strange surge after that. Uh, I think it was after the Draymond Tech. There was a bunch of back and forth, um, off the ball fouls that were called, and I I think the refs were just trying to make a statement there for about four or five possessions, um, and things eventually got back back and rolling. But yeah, anything else you want to say, Trevor? We're gonna try to get out of here. It's twelve twenty four a.m. Nope. You can follow me at Richie, R-I-T-C-H-I-E-T-M-R. I should have a recap article up soon. And please subscribe, share, and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher. I don't know if we're on Stitcher or not. I should, probably shouldn't have said that. Uh, I think Blog we're on Talk Stitcher. Radio. Yeah. Okay. Just however you can rate us, rate us. We really need those ratings. We really. Uh, I think Preston sent us a message today that we're the fifth most listened to podcast on blog talk basketball podcast yeah. on blog talk radio right now so uh whatever our audience can do if you like the podcast if you don't like the podcast share it too tell people you don't like it uh spread the gospel and uh let's get those numbers up i love it yeah people got to start rating this thing man we're we're legit that's top five man we're really good um yeah go find our stories on uh, the birdrights.com this has been the Big Picture Boys, it's Trevor, and I'm Travis, and we will talk to you later. Go Pels! Thanks again, Pelicans fans. Again, you are listening to The Bird Rights on Nothing But Net Network here on Dash Radio. Find all of our podcasts on iTunes by searching The Bird Rights colon NBA podcast. That's right, W-R-I-T-E-S. And find our source material at thebirdrights.com. Thanks for listening. can't believe it. That Gerald is presenting the quarterly budget report with finger puppets? Look, here comes a 1.7% decrease in fixed overhead. Hello, everybody. No, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Who are you? The projected increase in organic Q3 revenue. Hooray! Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Your home is important. That's why GEICO helps make it easy to save on condo insurance. Because home is more than just a place. Home is where you took minimalism too far because there's only one chair in your entire condo and your only entertainment is one card. Not even a deck of cards, but a single card. And all your guests have to share one plate and one fork, but you're convinced that less stuff means more freedom. The GEICO Insurance Agency could help protect the overly minimalist broom closet you call home. Call GEICO and see how easy it is to switch and save on condo insurance.